Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Livecast with Ryan League. This is season two, and uh, as I told you in se- at the end of season one, got a new host, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, put your hands together wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, for Vasti Cruz, uh, best friend to my wife, good friend to me. I just want to make that delineation. She is my <laughs> wife's best friend. Yes. And, and also a very good friend to me. And uh, Livecast, season two, podcast design to equip you with the tools to change your life. And so we always want to give people, you know, something practical that they can that they can do to to move forward in their life and grow. And um, I, I'm really excited to have have you as as the host of season two, Vasti. Welcome, welcome to Livecast. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here as the host for season two. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Of course. And um, I just want to say I really enjoy Season one, it was a really good season. Um, I felt like all the topics you covered were like right on. So yeah, this topic that we're covering, I'm really excited about. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so yes, let's yes, dive yes. in. Yeah, let's, let's dive in. So Ryan, you wrote a book yep. um, called Unoffendable. Yep. Just after 2016, um, the election, which is crazy. I know. Because here we are. I know. And it's amazing how relevant the content is still four years later. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now, as we embark on another election (laughs) coming up, and people are going to be really ticked, um, let's ask you this. Why did you write this book in the midst of, you know, right around that last election? Like, what was it? You know... I had seen division on many things before, but I had never seen the amount of division that I did Mm. during the last election. Mm. You know, I was always, you know, growing up aware that people had different political views, Mm -hmm. but not not to the point where uh, people were actually cutting each other off Mm. as friends. Hey, we're not friends anymore. Uh, Family members not speaking to each other. Yes. Um, In 2015 was when uh, Black Lives Matter really started to uh, heat up and Mm -hmm. police brutality was getting a little bit more of a highlight in the news that what the police brutality issue wasn't new. It was just that people filming it on their phones was what was new. Does that make sense? So it was creating a lot of discussions. And what I started to see um, in my own personal life and in a lot of the people that I minister to is that. No one was able to have real conversations because there was so much offense involved. Mm. So there really wasn't a safe space created for people to have conversations. And so so this book came out of a heart of going, man, if if we can get to a place where we're unoffendable, then we have a chance at having real conversations. And so uh, so I wrote it thinking, okay, this will die down, you know, and I thought, you know, (laughs) the election's over. You know, we'll just kind of get over it. But, uh, man, over the last four years, man, it, it might have gotten worse. I couldn't agree with you more than anything because I feel yeah. like it's true. Since the last in the last four years, things have been more highlighted, like you were saying. Right. Um, and I think that the one emotion that people can connect with most is anger. Yeah. Um, I think that it's what you said. People don't talk to each other. Yep. They're upset. If you support one party, we're not friends. I I just can't support people that are on this side. And it's like, Um, hold on, like, let's try to sit down. And that's why we're here, right? Because we're we're going to take excerpts of your book um, this season. And we're going to, as we get closer to the election, and we're going to try to, you know, respond with all that's happening in our culture. So since writing the book four years ago, what lessons do you think 
we have not learned? Um, I, I would say the, the biggest one is uh, our genuine surprise when people don't agree with us. <laughs> okay, Like, I mean, there is a genuine, like, shock. I cannot believe you believe that way, you think that way, you vote that way, you see things from a different perspective. And I, I think we also are surprised that every four years there's an election. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. And it's like, yeah, it catches us by surprise. Yeah, yeah sure. And uh, the, the reality is for for each and every one of us, I, I think we have to realize that when we live in a politically charged culture uh, in general, elections are about 50 50. Yes. In general. OK, mm -hmm. there's been a couple of landslides, but in general, you know, going into to November, people are going, we, we're, we're not sure how this is going to go. And so what that means is there's about a 50 percent chance that if you find yourself aligned with the political party, you are going to be pissed. Yes. <laughs> okay? Yes. Every four years. But it's like we're surprised when it goes one direction or another. And, and so I think part of part of what I wrote in Unoffendable is really preparing for those moments. Like if I could tell you, hey, on December 25th of 2028, uh, there's a 50% chance that you're going to be very upset. Like, wouldn't you want to prepare for that day? Mm -hmm. But I think some people are like so surprised mm -hmm. that that they, they actually don't prepare for what could be, mm -hmm. uh, what what could be the inevitable. And with something like an election that is really the 50-50 shot, um, somebody's going to be upset. And, and I just think um, that we can prepare for that day and it doesn't have to be as upsetting as, as it might be. Mm -hmm. You know, Ryan, something that you said was we get surprised when people don't agree with right. us, right? And I think that an assumption we can all say that we make is that when we have friends and we make friends, we just automatically assume that they think like us, right? Because right? we're like, well, we we both like Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Like, you know, you yeah. may like the honey mustard. I like Chick-fil-A sauce, right? Right. right. But it seems to be that that's it's always around these topics mm -hmm. that offense yes. comes in, right? Absolutely. And people say, no, I'm done with that person. Or yeah. you ask, hey, whatever happened with you and whatever, Mike, well... We don't talk no more. We had an argument at Chick-fil-A, you know. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, being unoffendable. Do you yeah. really think it's possible mm -hmm. to live a life with no offense? As in you never get offended. Right. Never. Right, right, right. I, and I, I don't I don't believe that that's realistic. You know, when I use the term unoffendable, I, I'm referring to a person that doesn't doesn't say I never get offended. They're a person that says, I don't I don't ever want to stay offended. Mm. In other words, I don't want to move into that. I might stay there for a night. I might stay there for a week. Um, sometimes I need to stay there for a month mm -hmm. or two. Mm -hmm. But to stay there for two decades, oh, that's no. what I see. Does that yeah. make sense? I see people holding on to offenses for way too long. And so uh, in my writings, I try to encourage people to know that there is a life available to them. Mm -hmm. They don't have to hold on to that thing. Because mm -hmm. the danger of holding on to those offenses is you begin to make other people pay for what someone else did. Yeah, absolutely. And and that that's you you start to believe that one friendship is like all of your friendships and it can kind of throw off your equilibrium, I believe. That's good. That's really so. good. So what do you think when you say decades, because uh, as you were saying that, I could definitely sure. think of some people that I know have held on to things for over two decades. Yeah. So what do you think is the first step 
of somebody living a life mm. unoffendable. Because it's like you said, it's unrealistic. We right. are going to get offended. Right. But what can we do? What's the first step to say, I don't want to live in that moment forever? Yeah. Um, I, I think the first thing is having self-awareness. Um, can you say that again? It's having self-awareness. One more time. <laughs> it's having self-awareness. Yes. Because here, here's what I know about me. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what I know about me is I'm very offensive. Mm. Like, I know um, I I speak to thousands of people mm-hmm. every single week, you know. So I'm offending people that I've not I've never even met. And won't meet. It won't meet, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I offended, the, I, I probably offended two or three people already on this podcast. Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, so and, and that's, that's part of uh, when you are a public servant. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that just kind of comes with the territory. But the fact that I know that I've uh, been offensive to people that I don't know and people that I do know, people that I care about, mm-hmm. my, my closest friends, um, I think it's imperative to realize that if, if I know I'm, I've been offensive and I am offensive mm-hmm. to someone else, I want to extend to others what I hope someone is extending to me, which is a little bit of grace, a little bit of mercy, a little bit of space to go, you know what? All right, uh, I'm gonna cut them some slack, not because I think they deserve it, but because I think I don't. That's good. Does that make sense? So, it's, yeah. So I think the first step to being unoffendable is realizing there's there's something in me that misses the mark. Yeah. And a lot of us are, or will get offended because we're holding someone to a standard that we couldn't live up to in the first place. Yes. And so they've missed our mark. They've missed our standard. But I think it, it starts with us us first, taking mm-hmm. ownership of our stuff to go, wait a minute. There, there's been some things that I've said knowingly. There's been a lot of things that I've said unknowingly. Mm-hmm. And un, until we are self-aware to go, all right, I, I want to. Uh, I had a conversation with a friend a couple of days ago. And, uh, you know, he, he just shared with me. He said, I, I just want you to know, like. Man, that really stung when when you shared X with me. And I, I just, I said, I, I am so sorry. I wish I would have known that sooner. Mm. I, I, what I said did not reflect my heart. Mm. And and sometimes even what I can say can also be taken out of context. And how many times has that happened for you, you or, or <laughs> so anyone we, listening, yes. you know? And so I wish I could have given more context to that four or five minute conversation mm-hmm. that really should have been an hour. But it, it comes down to ownership of going, man, if I'm if I'm going to um, live a lifestyle where I can be unoffendable and not hold on to things, I have to realize that I've I've done some things wrong myself. Mm-hmm. That's so good, Ryan. I think um, just hearing you talk about self-awareness, if I'm completely honest, I think um, I have in the last probably three years of my life, I've taken that self-awareness to a whole new level and just yeah. learning myself. Yeah. And obviously I've used different tools to get me there. Right. But I think self-awareness doesn't happen overnight. Mm-mm-mm. And one of the things that people need to understand is that just because you're self-aware doesn't mean that that person may be self-aware. Right. So it's what you said. Just right. offer that grace and offer that, you know, apology, right. you know. And, and at the end of the day, we can only control us. 
Yeah. And and part of our frustrations is over the fact that we cannot get people to do the things that we want them to do. Exactly. And, That's so good. And ultimately, we, we are only in control of, of ourselves. Um, you know, as you know, uh, Amanda and I got certified in the Enneagram mm-hmm. uh, last year. And the reason we did that is because I believe it is the greatest self-awareness tool. That is there. the tool that helped you me. Know? So, yes. so it just allows yes. you to see like, okay. Um, there are some things that are very unique to me that I do, but mm-hmm. then there's some things as uh, as an Enneagram three mm-hmm. that it's like, no, there, there are some things I'm prone to do mm-hmm. that can be very, very uh, offensive to others. So like for yeah. me, impatience, people can feel my impatience. People can feel me being in another room before I actually have to get there. And wow. I have to realize that sometimes I'm in a room, I'm going, I was there. I didn't have my phone. They go, but mentally you left the room and everyone felt you leave the room. And so there is a level of engagement that I can have. People know when I'm engaged. Mm-hmm. People can feel when I'm not mm-hmm. engaged. And so those are things that can come across very offensive. So those are things that, that I have to monitor my own, myself before I can start criticizing somebody else in the room. I so. Look, as an Enneagram 8. Yes. Everybody yes. assumes that we're ready to fight yes. and everybody assumes that we're yeah. ready for debate. And we are. Yeah. But I think it has helped me in the things that I'm prone to doing. I wear everything on my face. Mm-hmm. You know, we all heard of the term <laughs> RBF. Like yes. I have yep. a stellar one. OK. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that is one of the things that I will say that has the Enneagram has. It's been a tool. Yes. For me to Absolutely. really be self-aware. Well, Absolutely. Ryan, I am so excited. Yeah. To dive in, this is going to be a fun season. It is. is. We're going to be continuing our conversation around your book, Unoffendable. But before we go, um, you're doing something unique this season. And I want you to share with our listeners and our viewers uh, what that is. Yeah. So the the sort sort of the business of a podcast is, you know, you you get a bunch of subscribers, you get a bunch of listeners, you get a bunch of viewers, and then eventually you get some sponsors or some uh, advertising, so to speak. And for season two, I just thought, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to do this forever. All right. So don't hold me to it. But season two, I wanted to take, uh, this particular, uh, season, uh, where we are in culture too, to to mm-hmm. kind of give back. And so actually every episode, uh, I'm going to be highlighting a different nonprofit that has resonated with me over, over the past couple of years. And some of them are people that are good friends of mine. Some of them I've, I've never met them before in my life, but I just simply love what they do. And these are organizations I think you should support and, and, and be a part of and, and get involved with and give to, quite frankly. And so uh, today's highlight is uh, an organization called Venture. Uh, there are two guys that run Venture that are dear, dear friends of mine, uh, mentors of mine, uh, two guys named uh, Ryan Skoog and Paul Herkman. They have an organization called Venture. And I want you to check out this video uh, that can kind of explain a little bit more about what they do. But I, I just think uh, how they are responding to issues that are going on in the world is actually phenomenal. And, and I think, uh, I think you, you, should, you should definitely get involved. So go ahead and check out this video. People in special region for facing with many problems with the drug abuse, human trafficking, child soldier, and they also don't know Jesus. We need to have good food, but we don't have good food because we cannot farm. The children, they need to have education, but they cannot have education because they need to flee from the fighting. It's a very difficult situation in the war zone. 
when the girl child is born, the brothel owner is very happy because that is a free gift and they could use her from the age of eight and nine. When we rescue her, she was saying that in eight years of time, she has slept with 20,000 people. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I still can't wrap my head around it. I knew that I needed to do something. We always know about these things that go on around the world. I just don't want to stand by. There's so much despair and so much destruction. And this idea of doing tough things for people in tough places is really what we were created to do. And I remember just having this thought, what would it look like to do something consistently? God puts a dream in my heart to run 30 miles on my 30th birthday. And 30 for Freedom, the movement was born. Every single time I run, I think and I pray about refugees, knowing that there are people literally running for their lives right now, and knowing that we can do something about it. Imagine the creator of the whole universe says, I want you to help me. Why wouldn't we want to say yes to that? There are going to be hundreds of people here. And it's a movement that exists to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. Together with Adventure, we will open the children's home and get the girl before they become their victim. We help many children, more than 2,500 kids. They will have food, so that's why we provide minor pack for them so that they can study. They're not starving. It was amazing to think that what we were doing here is changing lives over there. We have seen 500 young people that come through our ministry and they become the leader in their community. After they know Jesus, then they know they have a choice in their life. With Venture, we are going to stop human trafficking in body people. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of every person that will be impacted by today, every single victim that will be rescued out of a brothel, that will be restored holistically in the name of Jesus. I mean, I can't honestly imagine my life or the person that I would be if I hadn't said yes. Pursue the things that God has put on your heart because you never know whose life is going to be impacted by your yes. One of the cool things about Venture uh, that you didn't see in that video is they actually allow um, you to, like if you work out and you run a lot, you mm -hmm. can actually, uh, they have this idea of let's do tough things uh, to reach tough places. Mm. And so you kind of raise awareness uh, through, you know, whether it's a hike or biking, they do tons, which is why they call it Venture. And uh, it, it's a really, really cool um, opportunity, I think, for people that, um, want to be able to give back in a different way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you can you can log miles and actually raise money for issues that you care about. The second thing that's really cool is uh, if you're a business owner, uh, they actually can come alongside you and, and basically create a culture within your sales structure where uh, every dollar that your customer spends, you know, a portion of it can go to to a nonprofit organization so that you know, your customer base feels like when they are doing business with you, they're also supporting causes that they care about too. So it's, it's a really cool deal. So you can check out all of that at venture.org. And uh, I, I encourage you to, to get involved and donate. It's an organization I, I support and absolutely love uh, my friends over at venture. So, Hey, thank you so much for checking out this episode of LifeCast. 
with Ryan Lake. This is my host, Vasti Cruz. Uh, if today's episode was helpful to you, uh, do me a favor. Go ahead and uh, share it with a friend, uh, rate it, review it, yes. and subscribe. <laughs>